So, John, what's the worst time you've ever been locked in or out of somewhere? Well, I was locked in school once. That wasn't much fun. You were locked in school? Overnight, yes. Whoa. True story, yeah. So I used to get a lot of detentions for tardiness, believe it or not. Tardiness? You're late. Yes. Me, believe it or not, yeah. I'd love to say that I'm surprised. Yeah. Actually, I think it was also for homework not done, maybe. Or maybe it was, like, so much tardiness that I ended up getting, like, a ridiculous, like, 90-minute detention. It, like, it, it, it kind of... Normally you get, like, half an hour, don't you? And it just kind of kept extending and extending until I got, like, a... Well, I think the te- your teachers were probably like, hey, John has wasted a lot of our time, so... We're going to waste, waste a lot of his. his. Yeah, that might have been... The- well, it backfired. Because I was sat in the library on my own. I was about 14 or eight, maybe, 15. I was sat in the library on my own at, like, 5 o'clock and... I fell asleep, like, <laughs> studying. <laughs> I was bored. Yeah, I was the only one there. The librarian must have forgotten I was in there. I must have been behind a bookcase or something. I don't know. Or maybe she's being vindictive. Who knows? But uh, she she left. I woke up, and um, I was suddenly in a darkened room, and there was no one around. <laughs> and as soon as I moved, as soon as I left the library, the, I, I tri- triggered the alarms. Mm. And so all the burglar alarms started going off, which was very scary, because my school was a big old Catholic building very very big lots of long corridors so and then i kind of ran downstairs managed to open the door from the inside thankfully it was the kind of lock that you could do that with uh, and just fled into the night <laughs> <laughs> left the doors wide open the alarms blaring just ran and didn't didn't say a word to anyone didn't tell our parents where i'd been <laughs> like ever well no, the next day the deputy head came into our form room and kind of beckoned me with one finger and uh, she said i, I know what you did <laughs> what you did like the teachers abandoned you in the school well this is it she said i know what you did if this ever happens again you'll be in a lot of trouble but let's never speak of this again (laughs) and and i was like at the time i was pathetically grateful in retrospect boy did she dodge a bullet like that was so not my fault (laughs) wow yeah oh great very good story yeah yeah yeah, i'm surprised i've not told that one before to be honest yeah no no Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are pitching prequels, sequels and spin-offs to Panic Room, part of our Trapped In series. Yeah, <laughs> it's a vague season theme, but we're running with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, films where you're locked in somewhere. We did Get yeah. Out, now we're doing Panic Room. Yes. Yeah, we'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing from our listeners with submissions they've posted on Facebook and Twitter. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the movie and give a bit of a plot summary. I'm Harry, the host with the most chance of surviving if I was locked in my house. I mean, I don't think you'd notice anything different for at least a month, so... You're probably right. I don't <laughs> actually think I've left the house today at all. Yeah. And joining me as always, the host who might not even make it through the weekend without a food run, is John Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair. I just like to keep things fresh. I'm not a big fan of non-perishables. Sue me. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. How's, how's that worked out for you? Well, so far, not so bad, I don't know. How are the fish doing? Are they alive? The fish are alive and well, yeah. Cool. Well, alive. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Yeah, so Panic Room. Yes, this was a me choice. Mm -hmm. What did you think? 
I really enjoyed it. Good. Yeah, I had a really good time with this. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Like, I remember this film from when it came out, because it was quite a big hit, actually. It's one of those films that was, like, really big at the time, and then kind of nobody really talks about it anymore. But it made, like, over $100 million, so it was a oh, big, really? big hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But, yeah, I remember, I remember seeing it and liking it, but it wasn't one I was, like, really desperate to revisit. It just kind of fit with the theme, so I thought, oh, that'll do. But, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this film. It's mm. it's the kind of thriller that I really like, where it kind of gives you a scenario, and it doesn't waste a lot of time, but it doesn't insult your intelligence in, in the way a lot of these things do with stupid plot twists that don't make any mm. sense. For the most part, the characters, it just kind of puts them in a scenario and it lets them kind of figure their way out. And it's like watching, you're watching mostly intelligent people, with a few exceptions, you know, doing intelligent Ooh. things and, well, we'll, you know. We'll get to that. Yeah, but you know, ultimately <laughs> you can, I, I found it quite relatable in terms of the behaviours of the characters, again, yeah. with some caveats. But yeah, I thought, I thought it was a really well done, tightly made, interesting little thriller. I really, really enjoyed it. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. I I really like how it was just, it very quickly sets up, here's the situation now, let's just go with it. Yeah, there's there's not much... Uh, I mean, could you even remember, tell me what Jodie Foster's character is called? No. No, she's just lady. Yeah. <laughs> lady in <laughs> <Yeah>. situation. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, exactly. It's, it's not exactly a big character piece, but it, it just, once it sets up its premise, it's pretty good. It just, it just really, like, puts you in there. It's called a panic room. What? A safe room. A castle keep in medieval time. I've read about these. They're quite in vogue in high-end construction right now. One really can't be too careful about home invasion. This is perfect. The alarm goes off in the middle of the night. What are you going to do? Call the police and wait till Tuesday? Traipse downstairs in your underthings to check it out? I think not. Ford concrete walls? Buried phone line not connected to the house's main line. You can call the police, nobody can cut you off. You have your own ventilation system. A bank of surveillance monitors that covers nearly every corner of the house. This whole thing makes me nervous. Why? Ever read any Poe? No, but I loved her last album. Um, do you want to give a plot summary then? I will, yeah. It's a pretty straightforward plot. This shouldn't be too difficult. So, the, the film stars Jodie Foster uh, as Lady... I did look it up. She's called Meg, but it doesn't matter. Uh, she is a wealthy, well, seemingly very wealthy, divorced, recently divorced woman. Uh, she's just recently separated from her very well-known, rich and famous tech husband. Bill Gates. Bill Gates, essentially, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so she's separated and she's moving into a new house in Manhattan with her 10-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. played by 10-year-old Kristen Stewart, or very young Kristen Stewart pre-Twilight, Kristen Stewart. So they're moving into this house. The opening scene kind of sets up, really, the, the opening scene is, is full exposition dump, where they get this guided tour of this fabulous kind of three or four-story mansion, which must cost an absolute bomb. <laughs> it's far too yeah, big for them. It's, it's insane, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I never understood why they needed it. No, no me neither. It didn't, There's just the two of them. She even says there's just the two of them. She didn't seem to particularly want a panic room. No, no, not. She seemed actively against the idea. Yeah, and so why are you buying a house with a panic room? Why are you buying a house this big? Like you'd have yeah, like two stories each. They need yeah, they need like a, a two bedroom flat tops. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I think the, the the estate agent lady says something along the lines of you could have a cat and a dog and a whole of a second family and okay, sure, but she doesn't seem to have any of these things. No, <laughs> no. And I don't know if she's really going to have a hold of her family at this point in her life, you know. Mm, no. But uh, 
Yeah. For reasons, for plot reasons, she buys this house on the same day. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not very clear, but yeah, it must be a very quick turnaround. To be fair, no, they do say it's two weeks because then when when things happen, there's a whole joke around that. Mm. Um, when Jared Leto breaks in and he's like, they shouldn't have been here for three weeks. Mm. And then it turns out he can't count days. Uh, but we'll get to Jared Leto and how he is doing the most in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but before him, yeah, I really enjoy. I did actually really like this opening bit, though, just because it felt like the woman playing the estate agent was really beefing up what was essentially a very small part. <laughs> <laughs> she felt like she thought she was the star of the movie in this one scene. She's got this like fantastic bright red wig, mm-hmm. this fur coat. She's given this Cruella de Vil kind of meets... Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. She keeps shouting at the uh, little Christian Stewart like, "Hey kid, no skating in the house." <laughs> she just seemed like she was really camping it up a little bit. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, very silly. Anyway, doesn't matter. So yes, Christian Stewart and Jodie Foster they move into this house. Uh, it has a panic room because it was previously owned by some kind of reclusive millionaire we hear, who we are told has a bad relationship with his family and his kids are all squabbling over his will. Mm-hmm. So he installed this panic room as a security measure. And now, obviously, Jodie Foster has moved in, and it is now hers. Yeah. So we kind of rejoin them after they bought the house. They have moved in. They turn in for the night, and then immediately what happens? Oh, no. The house gets broken into. Yeah. By a trio of thieves or criminals. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Jared Leto, who is the grandson of the I guess, previous yeah. owner of the house. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have Forrest Whitaker, who designs panic rooms. Yes. It's, it's unclear guy- why... Why he's turned to a life of crime? No, it's they make some vague references to how like he needs the money for his family or something. Yeah, he's obviously in a bad way, but he's yeah he seems to be like the least criminal of the criminals. Yeah, because he's like I don't hurt people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this well as a kid in the house. I don't want to do this well as a woman in the house. It's like mm-hmm. he 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 wants to bail straight away, but he gets pressured into continuing. Yeah, and then there's also Raoul, <laughs> who's a balac a balaclavered psychopath. I love the names. Oh, yeah. Raul Burnham, and I think Jared Leto was just Junior. Yeah. In IMDb, that's his, his name, Junior. Yeah. that's it. Everyone's just, like, stock in this film. Yeah. Everyone's just, like, stock character. Yeah. But in a good way, like, not in a bland way. I, I really... I liked how the three villains all had their own personalities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, Forrest Whitaker's quite, you know... He's good-hearted. He's, of, he's, he's a non-violent criminal. Essentially, yeah. He's the conflicted one. Yeah. Then you've got, yeah, Raul is just pure psychopath. Yeah. And yeah, Jared Leto is essentially comic relief. He's a wild card. He's a bit try hard. Mm-hmm. He's, oh, he's very try hard. Yeah. Like, yeah, Jared Leto in this movie, I'm used to Jared Leto, like, chewing scenery. But in this film, he really was doing so very much. Did you enjoy <laughs> him? I did. I did. I found him a lot of fun and I was kind of sad when they killed him. Yeah. Yeah, same. I think I like him better as characters like this when you don't have to take him seriously yeah like the whole point of him in this film is that he's just ridiculous so that works it's, it's in other films i just find him a little bit i don't know this film used everyone really well because sometimes i find forest whisker to be a bit hammy yeah there, there are certain times like in um rogue one for example mm-hmm. sometimes he really is guilty of chewing the scenery to the extent where you just like okay calm down <laughs> but in this he was really good he was really restrained and like kind of the heart and soul of the film in many ways yeah so. yeah i agree with that yeah mm-hmm. so yeah they break in and apparently the previous owner has left his millions hidden in the house yes not only that he's left them hidden in the panic room mm-hmm. in the safe in the panic room in the safe in the panic room so that's where they need to be they expected the house to be empty 
because uh, Jared Leto miscalculated how many days there are in, in a fortnight. <laughs> Which was a detail that I found quite funny. <laughs> 14 days, three weeks. <laughs> yeah. That is an insane turnaround to buy a house sight unseen, especially a house that big, yeah. and just move into it. Right? Yeah. I guess if you're a millionaire. No, it, it would have made more sense if like, she was trying to get away from something, get out of something. Like <laughs> I assumed that she was trying to get out of a dodgy marriage. Oh, like she was... It was like a safe house, like she was being abused or something. No, well, well, maybe, but not 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 necessarily that. But just like she's going through a very stressful divorce or something, and she just wants to be moved out of her ex husband's house. But then, well, I think she is. He, but then, when he comes later in the film, he's perfectly all right. Like, well, he, I mean, he, he doesn't seem like a bad guy at all. He just seems like he got remarried. Sure. Well, I think it's supposed to be that he dumped her for like a young supermodel or something, or yeah. like that. So I think it has been a quite a stressful situation. It probably has happened quite quickly for her. Sure, sure. But obviously with their kid being in mortal danger, they kind of band together in the stress of the situation. Yeah. Not that he's any help whatsoever. No, but, God, he's the yeah. worst. <laughs> he just makes things worse, but <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to him. Yeah. He doesn't show up yeah. just yet. What the fuck is this? There's a little girl on the top floor. There's a woman on the third. They're both asleep. They're not supposed to be here. This is your department, Junior. Hey, they are not supposed to be here. Videotape. We're on videotape. We've been on videotape, so we got within 10 feet of this place. And the tapes are upstairs. 14 days, girl. Fuck to me, man. 14 days, girl, man. That's almost three weeks. They should not be in here for another week. How? Exactly how is 14 days, three weeks? Business days. That's girl is always business days, five day weeks, always. Yeah, so when they realize that Jodie Foster and Christian Stewart are in the house, they panic. Forrest Risker wants to bail straight away. Luckily, but... they have a room for that. You threw me off now, you bastard. <laughs> they panic, so, Forrest yes. Whisker comes in. Or... Yes, so Forrest Whisker wants to wants to bail, but Jared Leto is very insistent that they just do it tonight. Which, again, didn't make a lot of sense, because they just want to get into that room. Why not just watch the house and wait till it's empty, then break into it? Yeah, yeah. See, but, yeah, obviously that's just a thing that had to happen for this movie to happen. Well, maybe they wanted to get into the house before like all the security systems were activated. Actually, yes, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, the, the panic room is probably default to being closed. Yeah. Okay, okay, fair enough. I, I take that one back. That probably does make sense. See, this movie's well-scripted. When you, when you dig into it, there's not that many holes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, Jody, so the, the, while they're discussing this, uh, Jodie Foster wakes up, goes to get herself a nice bottle of Evian. Um, <laughs> we'll discuss that later. We will. And as she goes back, she walks into the panic room. And she, as she's going in, the, the panic room, I should probably explain the setup. So the panic room is a hidden room that's behind, like, solid steel metal doors mm-hmm. it's all automated it's got its own ventilation system it's got its own phone lines mm-hmm. it's wired up to security cameras all over the house it's just full, got a wall of screens where you can see every inch of the house basically mm-hmm. so it's a spy's dream and a, a horny teenager's nightmare so I don't know why <laughs> Kristen Stewart she, in a few years she's going to regret being so keen yeah. to move into the house even if this, ha- this hadn't have happened so <laughs> but yes so while she gets up to go to the bathroom she looks at the monitors and she sees that there are three intruders in the house. Mm. So she immediately runs, grabs Christian Stewart and drags her into the panic room. The criminals obviously realise what's happening. They chase her, but she manages to get in in time. Just in the nick of time. Just in the nick of time, of course. So she slams the door closed. Now, there is one um, thing that uh, when they're getting shown around the house at the start, um, she says like, oh, that's good. that door looks like it's a bit of a hazard. And then mm. the estate agent shows her like, no, 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 it's fine. It's like a like an elevator door. If you put your hand between it, it won't close on you. Um, mm-hmm. That never comes up again. In fact, it gets actively ignored. 
Yeah, I wondered that too. How I, come I was, it, was I was it only... really expecting, like in one of the like multiple times, she runs into the panic room just at the last minute as Forrest Whitaker's right there and he's just about to get her. And I really was expecting some point someone he he just puts his hand around the door. Yeah, and it just stops and then opens and then she's like, "Well, shit." But yeah, and also the other guy gets his hand actively mashed. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't understand that either. Is it, is it only like certain points? You know, is it like lasers where you have to? Yeah, hit a it, certain... it, it, it was, but like they didn't do their job at all. No. <laughs> like that would be an easy thing to cut out of the movie. Sure, sure, sure. But yes, yeah, so they're in the room now, which causes Jared Leto to have a, the first of many massive tantrums. Mm-hmm. So now the now the the movie is essentially set up as how the the, the criminals need to get in. She's not coming out, obviously. Mm. But she can't call the police because she hasn't set up the secondary phone line yet. Yeah. So she's she's trapped. She can't contact anyone. It's the middle of the night. No one's going to find out about them. Uh, and now the criminals have got to figure out a way to get in somehow. And they never tell her what they want, which I didn't understand why she didn't just ask what they wanted. Yeah. Because it's not her money they're trying to steal. No. So she doesn't know this money exists until... I mean, does she ever find out? Uh, the end, maybe? The daughter does, definitely. But yeah, I'm not sure if she mm. does. Because I'd be like, what do you want? When they say... So she says, take what you want and get out. And they say, well, what we want is in this room. So you need to cut this room. And she's like, absolutely no way. Mm. Understandably. But if I was in that position, I'd probably be like, okay, what do you want that's in this room? Go downstairs. I can see you on the cameras. Mm-hmm. Wait downstairs. I will leave it outside the door. You take that and fuck off. Yeah. I can only assume they thought, well, we're not telling her there's $3 million in here. Because she'll to keep it. I guess, but like, I think it was more like, oh, I don't know, like $8 million or something like that. But even so... It kept going up. It was like $40 million by the end. But Well, whatever. It still feels like that's only going to be like a month's, a month's rent on this place. Yes. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, it's pocket change to her. Yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> But yeah, you're totally right. Like she, she never at one point wonders what it is that they're after. No, because like her daughter has a look through all the crates and stuff, and it's like his food and fire blankets and stuff like that and medicine and stuff. But there's nothing of any nothing value. That... Yeah, <laughs> and so that they just never want. It doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. I mean, yeah. that's not a problem of the film. That's a problem of the characters. And I have so many problems with decisions that people make. Okay. So well, the, the, I think the first bit was about now, actually, in the plot. The three criminals are down on the ground floor um, mm-hmm. in the kitchen, I think. And Jodie Foster announces on the on the tannoy, just like, get out of my house. Yes. And then they start communicating. So they start writing things on paper, holding up to the cameras. Now, at this point, they are at least two full stories below her. Yes. And they can't see her. They don't know what she's doing, where she is. I mean, mm-hmm. they assume she's in the panic room, which she is. She has no way of contacting anybody, but she knows that she has a mobile phone in, like, just outside of the door. Mm. Well, you can probably say that she maybe forgot at the moment. In the stress of the situation, I don't I mean, think it's I the first thing she, she thinks did, of. But come on, Jodie Foster, sort yourself out. <laughs> she's doing her best. She's had a stressful day. She's had a bit of wine, you know. She's been woken up in the middle of the night. Take I mean, some time. Oh, uh, when Kristen Stewart says could we use that phone? And she says, no, I've not wired it up yet. My first mm-hmm. thought then would be like, okay, where's your mobile? Oh, you just left it on your bedside table outside of this door. Okay, how am I going to get out with those criminals there? Oh, wait a minute, they've gone downstairs. Boom. <laughs> well, and it she gets there eventually. And it takes to actually think of that, and then they're just nearby. True, yeah. Useless. Well, Useless. You know. <laughs> I'd be way better in this situation. 
I'm sure you would, Harry. I'm sure you would. So, yeah, so the criminals are trying to figure out how to get into the room. Forrest Whitaker's like, there's no way to get into the room. I designed this room specifically so people like us couldn't get in. Yeah. Like, we're screwed. Yeah. But Jared Leto and Raul are just not accepting this at all. So they start, like, trying to break down the very foundations of the house. Yes. <laughs> which seemed incredibly stupid to me. <laughs> like, they're literally bashing away at the ceiling beneath that's holding this room from the previous, from the room below it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're I don't just know how... bashing away at the plaster. Like, the steel girders that are holding the house together, like, they can't do anything about them. Yeah, I suppose. And okay. that's what's blocking them. Like, they're trying to get to the safe, but there's too many steel girders in the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, they so that doesn't work, unsurprisingly. <laughs> so then they decide to, Forrest Whitaker comes up with the plan to try and gas them out. Mm. I love this plan. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, initially it was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. I had some questions, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, so he knows where it's hooked up to the ventilation. So he breaks into the ventilation and puts a, some methane, I guess. Something, yeah. And he says, we're not going to kill them because if, if they die, there's, you know, they're screwed, essentially. They can't just kill them because then there'll just be two dead bodies in the room that they need and there'll be no way to get into it. Yeah. So it's like, we're not killing them. We're just scaring them. We're just pumping a little bit in to show them that we have this ability. But then Raul fully, like, pumps up the gas to the max. He's like takes no prisoners yeah. so then the room's rapidly filling up with methane which obviously I, I, that... I, I loved it because it really just shows like oh this this is a criminal who is literally mad he has no yes. logic like Forrest Whitaker says hey if, if they pass out they can't open the door mm-hmm. <laughs> like just like you said if they die then that's it that's game over for everybody yeah and this guy's still carrying on it's great yeah Raul has no backstory whatsoever yeah. he had absolutely no like, he had a personality. His personality was psycho. Mm. But, like, he had, there was no context for who he was whatsoever. Mm. At one point, like, when they're talking about guns at the beginning, and he pulls out his pistol, and then Forrest Whitaker, Forrest Whitaker says, Who are you? And he goes, I'm Raul. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he's got to say. <laughs> That's all we ever learn about Raul. Great. Wait, wait, stop. We keep an eye on her. Raul can totally administrate that part. I don't want Raul to administrate that part. He's not even supposed to be here. Nobody gets hurt. What about us? What if she has a gun? Who are you? I'm Raul. So they're pumping the methane into the panic room. Jodie Foster and the kids start coughing. They realise what's wrong. She starts frantically trying to seal up the ventilators. Uh, but the power of the gas is stronger than the duct tape that she's putting down. Mm-hmm. So I guess the rock was wrong about duct tape in some situations. <laughs> so that's not really working. And then she hits up on this insane idea. Yeah. To <laughs> I mean, I guess what else are you going to do? True. So her idea is to light the methane and basically blow up the wall and it's a great comedy moment in the film like comedy and tension at the same time because you've got Jared Leto fully like pressing his ear against the wall like what are they doing in there Mm. like he could not be asking for it more Mm -hmm. and then she meanwhile she's like got a one of those like long plastic lighters Mm -hmm. and she's sticking it around the bend of the ventilator She, she puts Kristen Stewart under a fire blanket which good good common sense Yep. she wraps one around herself and then she finally flicks it and it's like it's like the the panic room becomes the mountains of Mordor. It's <laughs> this giant blue flame, like 
This blue hot flame. Which blue blue flames are hotter than red flames, right? Pardon? Blue. When a flame is blue, that means it's like super hot, right? Uh, I think so. Maybe. I mean, flames yeah. do burn different colors depending on what is burning, what okay. element is burning. Okay. Yeah. Because I was thinking, most gases are like I'm not great with the science, but aren't most gases heavier than oxygen? Uh, most like explosive gases. I I, I don't know. Surely they'd no be burnt idea. to a crisp. Helium's not, and that's explosive. Okay. Maybe it was helium then. Fine. I mean, th- th- this one was not helium, but either way, doesn't matter. Actually, it'd be really funny if this was helium, and just in this incredibly <laughs> intense scene, <laughs> Jodie Foster and Kristen Stewart's voices just got super super high. That would be that would actually have been yeah. great. I would have loved that. But anyway, whatever the gas is, whatever the, this uh, very light gas is, Jodie Foster ignites it. Her and Kristen Stewart hit the deck under these fire blankets, mm-hmm. so they are miraculously okay. Mm-hmm. Massive explosion. Jared Leto is fully on fire. Yeah. <laughs> this was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, uh, he is horribly burned. Again, no neighbours hear anything. Like, this is another thing I had. Like, <laughs> the, the neighbours don't hear shit. Like, the gas tank explodes as well. It's not literally. Can you imagine? Multiple explosions. Yeah. Can you imagine being next door? I don't care what time it is. You'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess this is a testament to New York and how well they ignore their neighbours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> I love the line that Jared Leto gives um, after this. Like, they go downstairs, and I think Raoul's looking at his injuries or something, and he's all p- and Jared Leto's all pissed off, and he says, my plastic surgeon's going to hear about this. <laughs> <laughs> he really was giving us, like, full comic relief in this real movie. He was, he should, was, yeah. They should cast him as the comic relief more often. I think it might be his hidden talents. Yeah. Like, he's so ridiculous in every way, but I don't think a lot of his film roles really lean into that, so... No. <laughs> So, yeah, so that hasn't worked. Meanwhile, Jodie Foster and Kristen Stewart have found an- another another exit? Like, or like another oxygen source. Yeah, there's a... Because there's, there's a little hole. A pipe, like a drain or something. Yes. So they find that and they try... Well, f- first of all, it helps them oxygen-wise because it means when they're trying to gas them, they can get some fresher, yeah. which is helpful. And then also they try and use that to SOS, mm-hmm. which I-, I thought was a stretch... It was a stretch, but... It was a long shot, yeah. and I felt like the disadvantage... Sorry? That's what this film is built on. It is, but I felt like the risk of giving away the location of their oxygen source, which is a pretty important thing for them, <laughs> by flashing a light down it constantly, maybe outweighs the very slim possibility that someone's going to see that and go, oh, they're doing SOS. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah, anyway... Yeah, Kristen Stewart starts uh, flashing starts flashing SOS in Morse code because mm-hmm. uh, she saw it on Titanic. <laughs> uh, it, it it briefly works. She, they attract the attention of a neighbor who then immediately just pulls the blinds. But then, like at the uh, the key moment of of it working, like the neighbor looks and the neighbor's like, "Oh, what's that? Is that what's that flashing thing over there?" Then they stop flashing and they start just shouting <laughs> down this pipe. They're shouting across the street. In a rainstorm, and they know it's a rainstorm. It's not a surprise to yeah. them, mm-hmm. and they expect that they expect them to hear it. And no, not at all. And so he shuts his blinds. But yeah, they, they, they really dropped the ball that, on that one. It turns out, as we find out by the end of the film, that guy did call the police. Yeah, <laughs> just took the ages to respond. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so is it this? Is this the point when Jared Leto decides to leave? Yeah, I think so. So he's just been blown up. He's very badly burned, and he's like. You know what? Well, no, Screw no, this. No, I think this is the point actually where 
they're having a conversation just down that flight of stairs outside her bedroom door. And she's mm-hmm. like, okay, now I'm going to make my move, go out and get my mobile phone. Oh, yes, she does go for the mobile. Yeah. Which they really stretch out because it's under her bed and it turns out she's really bad at reaching things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the amount of time she just kind of gets it with her fingers and just pushes it away. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> well, those little Nokias, they were hard to hold. They were very small. They weren't like the bricks we've got now. Hard to get a grasp on. <laughs> sure. Whatever. <laughs> Jodie Foster comes out of the panic room, does a runner for the mobile phone. They see what she's doing. They chase her up. Mm-hmm. She just manages to grab it in time and run back into the panic room. Yeah. Of course, there is no signal. No, there's no signal. Wouldn't have expected it. No, clearly not. Even when she pokes but, it out of the little hole. Yeah, but somehow she knows to, how to wire it up to a main, well, to the main line. It's not that, actually. She then gets the idea, oh, wait a minute, there's a phone line in the wall, which I don't know how mm. she knows. Is this the, the the one that's supposed to be dedicated purely to the panic room that she forgot to hook up? No, it's not. It's a bit misleading, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was confused by this. I didn't know how it worked. But. Yeah, no, it's very confusing. So it turns out there is part of the house phone line, not the panic room phone line. Okay. There's an outlet in the connecting wall of the uh, the, the, the bedroom and the panic room. Oh, because they, they, they cut this, the telephones off, don't they, when they realise what she's doing? Yeah. So, and that's where the core cuts yeah, out. Yeah, like Forrest Whitaker just unscrews this phone outlet just at the bottom of the wall, and he just mm. stands there and watches as this wire moves a little bit, and then suddenly gets pulled into the wall by Jodie mm. Foster. Meanwhile, Kristen Stewart has ripped the panic room phone off the wall, mm. and then they just wire it up, which, I don't know, I guess works. Sure, whatever. Yeah. Kristen Stewart is the most resourceful 10-year-old I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, she's great. Like, she's... So self-possessed. Yeah. Like, she gives good advice. Like, from beginning to end. Like, from the first scene, she gives good advice. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, Mom, you don't need to pay the asking price for this house. Mm, yeah. It's like a department store. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's unflappable. So, Jodie Foster manages to hook up the mobile phone to the, the landline. Tries to call the police, but what happens? Why does she call they her? They put her on them? hold. They put her on hold, yeah. So she, Which is she ridiculous. Ha- like, she calls up, says... Hello, 911. Great. Um, there's three men in my house. Okay, let me just put you on hold. That's... <laughs> no. No, that is not how emergency services work. Well, maybe in America they do. You know. Maybe in America it's shit. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it's good, that but I'm saying that maybe, maybe that's... Like, yeah, maybe that's the reality of public services in America. There's three know. men in my house. They'd be like, okay, are you in a, are you in a safe, safe place? Yeah. Can you talk? Well, technically. <laughs> like, are you in immediate danger? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't put you on hold. No, true. I mean, to be fair, the answer to those questions is yes and no. Yeah, I mean, she is in a safe space, and she's not in immediate danger. I'm not an emergency services call receiver or whatever. Um, No. And already, I can think of more things to ask before I put somebody on hold. No, absolutely. Yes, they've probably got a lot more questions that they've thought of. Mm -hmm. So anyway, she she hangs up on them and she calls her husband instead. And just before Forrest Whitaker and Co. clue into what she's doing and yank out the phone lines, she manages to get. Well, enough past, information to him. Get past her husband's new partner. Yeah, get past the bitchy girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> who was voiced by Nicole Kidman. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, because Nicole Kidman was supposed to star in this movie. Yeah. But then she hurt her knee, so then Jodie Foster kind of stepped in at the last minute. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, and so they just put her in as a little voice cameo just to give her something to do, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think Jodie Foster is better for this kind of film. Yeah, I think so too. I like Nicole Kidman a lot, but I think... Jodie Foster is much better, like, as an action kind of star. Mm. 
she's more physical I think yeah and so this kind of really works for her yeah so yeah Stephen hello put Stephen on the line who is it's Meg do you know what time it is put him on the phone bitch so yes, yeah, so she calls the husband. Uh, yeah, and it's at this point I think that Jared Leto is like, you know what, screw this, I'm out of here, because they're panicking now because they think the police might be on their way, mm-hmm. might very well be on their way. Yeah. And so he's like, you know what, I don't need this money. He lets slip that there's actually a lot more money in that panic room than he originally. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Let on. He said there was like three million. It turns out there's like forty million yeah. in there or something. Um, and he's the funny. He's actually getting. As, 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 well, he would be if he wasn't so stupid. He would be getting some of that money anyway because he is a, a direct relative mm. of the previous owner. But he wanted all of it. He got greedy. So he, that's why he set up this robbery. And he's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to inherit three million anyway. So bye, guys. <laughs> uh, and then Raul shoots him. Yeah. Dead. In the head. <laughs> yeah. Which is plastic surgeon we'll be hearing about. He will absolutely, yes. <laughs> that, that, that's going to be a big one, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it was probably a good time to get rid of Jared Leto because he was pure comic relief and then the film really goes to super tension when it's just the other two guys. Yeah. But I was sad to see him go because he was very entertaining yeah. with his yeah. tantrums and his complete inadequacy for being a, cri- a criminal. I liked his... He was uh, way over his head. I, I liked his dead body face. <laughs> did, did, you, did you notice it? No, I didn't actually. face of pure fear. It was like something out of Scream. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so this leaves Forrest Whitaker and Raoul. Uh, what happens then? Oh, was that? Oh, then the husband arrives immediately after yeah, Jared Leto right. gets shot, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So Jared Leto's just been shot. They're all they're dealing with that situation. Oh, Jodie Foster can see that because she's still watching on the mm-hmm. security cameras. So obviously, Kristen Stewart is terrified. She's like, "Don't look at it. Don't look at it." Yeah. Then the husband turns up at the door. Is dragged in. And then they try and use him as a bargaining tool, basically. The criminals start using him. Like, they put him in front of the camera. They start beating the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Or, or rather, Raoul does. Forrest Whitaker's still like, I don't hurt people. Yeah. The criminals are basically saying, if you don't let us in, we're going to kill your husband. But Jodie Foster's not buying it. She won't open the door until Kristen Stewart has a convenient diabetic attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, I love the way that every she, kid in her actually said it. Mum, I, I, I was trying not to tell you. I'm tired and hungry. <laughs> so dramatic <laughs> what a weird way to say it Which I know, also, yeah. they've not actually explicitly said that she has diabetes at this point no I think they I think they hinted at it there's, yeah there's a lot of hints and it does leave you thinking like okay what's the kid's problem yeah 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 you yeah, keep asking like, how her blood sugar like, is yeah, yeah yeah I guess that's diabetes but if I didn't know those symptoms <laughs> I'd be very confused yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but she's. Well, it's an action movie, Harry. Every kid in an action movie either has diabetes or asthma. Yeah. There are no healthy children in action movies. They always have to have something non fatal, but potentially fatal to ramp up the tension when needs be. And that is exactly what this is. Yeah. So she starts having a diabetic attack. I guess. Slipping yeah. into a diabetic coma. I don't know. Um, she turns a bit blue and her toes curl up, you know. So once again, Jodie Foster needs to leave the panic room to get her insulin. So she runs out again to try and get the insulin. Mm. But in that time, the criminals get back in. Uh, they get into the they get into the room and she's locked out. So they switched places now. Yeah, that's right. So she chases them back to her room, basically. Um, mm-hmm. Forrest Whitaker gets in and Raoul, Raoul, the, uh, Raoul also got, gets in. But he just happens to be leaning against the wall when the door slams closed. Yes. And it just flattens his fingers. Yeah. And I didn't realise until later on when the door opens, it actually chopped the tips off. Of his, like he picks up the tips of his fingers. 
Oh yeah, the floor. They they are mashed. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the first time we see his face as well. He's been in like a full balaclava for the whole movie. So yeah. But yeah. So anyway, anyway, it ends up with Raoul and Forrest Whitaker and. Kristen Stewart in the panic room. Jodie Foster's now locked outside. Yeah. And so she's just like, can you please, my daughter's going to die, will you please give her her insulin? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Forrest Whitaker, like, Raoul is fully out of action because he's still got his hand trapped in the door, so he can't really do anything. Yeah. He's just there whimpering. And Forrest Whitaker is, it kind of melts his cold heart and he uh, he gives the girl the insulin injection that she needs, so mm-hmm. she, she comes around, she's okay. Uh, meanwhile, they do manage to find the money which is in the floorboards of the panic room. Yeah, it's yeah underneath it's a hidden the compartment kind of thing. The space for a safe. Yes, and I had a question. So, the money is in bonds. Yes. How I don't really use bonds, but how would they expect to use this money? Because I thought like it's not exactly unmarked bills, is it? Isn't that going to be like incredibly traceable? I think so. Yes. Yeah, I don't know what the end game was with this at all. No, me neither. Like, there's no way at this point they're going to be able to just walk out and spend that money. No, it's just not going to happen. No, I was expecting it. It was going to be in bars of gold. Yeah, gold or just unmarked bills. You know, classic. Yeah. Why bonds? I guess because it needed the shot at the end when they all blow away. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, how does she get them to come out again? I can't remember now. Um. Or do they come out of their own accord? They come out of their own accord. I think. Okay, with like Kristen Stewart at gunpoint. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the police that, come out. The police come out. Um, but yeah. in the meantime, she's knocked out all the cameras, and then mm-hmm. she's set up a little obstacle course for them. Yeah, that's it. She's home alone. Them. Yeah. Imagine having a house so big that you could choose multiple paths of ways to travel through the house. Yeah. <laughs> it's the dream. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then they attempt to escape using Kristen Stewart as a hostage. Mm-hmm. And then... Oh, that's it. Uh, on on the ground floor, she's uh, nursed her ex-husband back to some health. Yeah, he, she's kind of propped up in a chair. Yeah, and she's put uh, Raoul's gun in his hand and just yes. pointed him at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah, again, I would just keep hold of that gun myself, Jodie Foster. I would not trust it in the hands of a man who may drop dead at any moment. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to be a good shot. And spoiler alert, he's not a good shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so she then uses that as a as a way to get her daughter's freedom again. Yeah, well, they're all coming out, and there is a little shoot-off. There's a little kind of shoot-off, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Forrest Whitaker does a full runner. Well, there's a- Jodie Foster creeps up behind Raoul and smacks him around the head with a sledgehammer. Yes, and he falls down... He, he falls down over the banister, like, not down some stairs, onto some stairs, like a full-story height. Oh, yeah. At this point, he fully gets invincible criminal syndrome. Yeah. He has an unusable hand, and he's been hit in the head with a sledgehammer yeah. and fallen down a, fl- a massive flight of stairs. And then he comes straight back up again, grabs the hammer himself somehow, mm-hmm. punches Kristen Stewart full in the face, yeah. which I must admit I kind of screamed at. What, punched a 10-year-old girl? <laughs> yeah, I just wasn't expecting it. No, it wasn't either. that I found it funny. I just was so not expecting it. I was just like, whoa, mm. this movie really went somewhere. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, he punches her square in the face, and, and then he starts like throttling... Then he like pins down uh, Jodie Foster. He's about to smack her over the head with the hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forrest Whitaker is just about to hop over the wall. He's, he's got the money. He's escaping. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he hears the, the screaming and he can't bring himself to leave the family. Mm-hmm. So he runs back in, saves the day, shoots Raoul through the head mm-hmm. or through the chest or something. He, he's finally dead. And then he does try to run away. But uh, it's too late. The police have now fully arrived, surrounded the property. 
and he the film ends with him being uh, arrested and holding up his hands and dropping all the bombs which dramatically fly away onto the breeze he's lost everything yeah. and then we just get a post-credit well a pre-credit scene of it's kind of pointless really just of uh, Jodie Foster and the kid like surprise surprise looking for another house they're not going to stay there mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah and, that, and that, that ends the film really yeah pretty much yeah hmm. so yeah, pretty straightforward pretty straightforward very silly quite a good time yeah yeah I fully enjoyed this one I definitely wanted to see a, 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 like a post credit scene where Jodie Foster calls the estate agent lady <laughs> And she's like, we need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> or that they hired a cleaner to like clean up the mess of what was left of that house. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. that would that could be its own thing. But yeah. No, but on the whole, yeah, I, I found this to be very enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Mm. Any any more thoughts or do you want to move on to drinking games? No, nah, it's gone to drinking games. So first of all, drink for Evian bottles. Uh, yes, I'm I'm glad you noticed this too. If this was product placement, and it must have been, it really got its money's worth because mm. there was Evian in so many shots, and it's really not remotely subtle. No. <laughs> so every time she opens that fridge, it's like the, the bottles are all turned strategically so you can see them at just the right yep. angle. And it even becomes a plot point. She uses that Evian bottle to wait the daughter up. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, Evian is definitely should be fair build in this movie. Mm-hmm. It should be Jodie Foster, Kristen Stewart, Evian, Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. Drink every time somebody enters or exits the panic room. Yeah, I've got that as well. Drink whenever the door yeah. opens or closes. Yep, just a good standard one. Yeah. Um, drink for CGI camera movements. Oh, yeah, that was the way you could tell it was a David Fincher. It was yeah. very tricks. It was very, like, showy-offy with its camera angles. Yeah, like, here's Which a... Which I didn't dislike. Here's a one-shot of a key going into a lock, and then we're going to fly through the kitchen, upstairs, all the way to the panic room, and yes... Yeah, it's like, we know how keys work, David. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the air conditioning vent. The full mm-hmm. distance of it. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a, lot, of that, a lot of that going on. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, here's one that you might have some thoughts on. Drink every time you question a decision made by a character in this film. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. So you said you had quite a few. Do you want to run through some of the ways in which you would have been better at this than either Jodie Foster or the criminals? Um, well, the criminals, they realised later on yeah, why didn't we destroy all the cameras? Yes, that that was that made me laugh. Yeah, like that was like, a no-brainer. Yeah, of yeah. course you would. When you realise there's cameras everywhere, destroy. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, have one so you can communicate with her. That's all you need. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and Jodie Foster not getting the phone. Like, mm-hmm. Stupid. Uh, not hooking up the the panic room phone right away. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I she's get a busy that's a bit of a website thing, but yeah. you move into a house with a panic room for a reason. Sure. So, hook up the panic room phone. I mean, I would if I was moving into a house and it was like, oh, by the way, this house has a panic room, I'd be like, you know what? Maybe I don't want to live here. <laughs> Maybe this no. is a sign that this is a high-risk property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why does this house need a panic room? Also, if, you know, going down the panic room route again, probably put uh, the, the insulin shot in the panic room. You know, yeah. it's a room for panicking. <laughs> it's their first night, cut us some slack. She wanted to have some wine and cry in the bathtub. You know, yeah, she didn't well, expect this to happen. <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, and you know, just talk to the police. Talk to the police, sure. It'd be a shorter movie. I've also got drink for injuries mm-hmm. and drink for disagreements. Disagreements, okay. Oh, drink every time Forrest Whisker says, I don't hurt people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that'll definitely get you nice and pissed. <laughs> sure, sounds good. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, before we get to sequels, uh, listeners... 
me and John are very good at what we do, or we think so anyway. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe you think so too. So, if you do, why not support us on Patreon for whatever you think we're yeah. worth. However good <laughs> you think, think we are, that's the amount of money that you need to give us every month. What's the monetary value of good? <laughs> $10? Sure. Great. $20? I don't, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, if you do, there's a few bonus things you get. Uh, we do a bonus show where we uh, we review films. Currently, we're doing it by request rather than what's in the cinema, but we're also trying to keep up with new releases as they come. You know, a bit scarce, but we're doing our best. Yeah, yeah it's a difficult time. Yeah. Um, another bonus feature you get, we, we do a 30-second advert slot on the main show where if you want to, you can talk about your own podcast or your own business or whatever you feel like. Um, it's your time to shine, really. Mm-hmm. Once a month on the main show, we do a Patreon episode as well. So we'll invite one Patreon on. They choose the film for us. Um, you, you can guest on it if you want to, but you don't have to. And what else do you get if you join Patreon? You get extended episodes and mm-hmm. our exclusive Facebook group as well. Yeah. Is that everything? Pretty much, yeah. And just to add that while the cinemas are closed, what we are doing is we're ask, telling our patrons that we will review, in, in lieu of new releases, we will review anything they ask of us, whether it be a film that already has lots of sequels that we wouldn't really do on the main show, or a film that just wouldn't be suitable for the main show for whatever reason, or we'll even watch a specific episode of a TV show, maybe, or a document. Who knows? It's something you'd be interested to hear us talk about. So, yeah, just sign up and tell us what you want. Just either tweet us or email us or join the Facebook group and uh, tell us what you want us to review. We'll do it. Yeah, so all that is available at patreon.com slash set. Indeed. <clears throat> okay, so, um, first sequel, uh, I think it's my turn first. Okay, well, I've not got a name for my sequel, so if you think of one along the way, please do. Okay. Yeah, so it starts off, it's 20 years later. Um, Sarah, now in her early 30s, and raising... So that's Kristen Stewart's character. Kristen Stewart, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Raising two young children by herself, is struggling to put ends together. Raising two children on a single salary, working in watch repair is difficult. She's wearing, working in watch repair? Yes. Okay, That, that sure. comes up later. Seems, seems specific, but okay. So she's not inherited any of her mum's fabulous wealth. She is no, for, struggling for financially. For whatever reason, some reason that I've not been able to think up, she's estranged from her mother. Okay. Or both both her parents. She's living completely independently of them and not on speaking terms. Okay. I mean, I'd be surprised if the dad lived through the night, to be honest. Yeah, me he took too. quite a beating, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I, I didn't really want to say it, because I've got some other bleak stuff to come. Oh, great. It's one of those sequels. <laughs> mm, yeah. So we see her going about her life, finishing her shift at work, opening her very empty purse to pay for groceries before picking the kids up from the sitter on her way home. Both mm-hmm. kids are hungry and, and unhappy because the cheap sitter isn't very good. Everything is very stressful. Okay. How old are the kids? Both under 10, I'd say. Okay. That evening over dinner, um, one of the children starts coughing loads. Mm-hmm. Coughs up a little bit of blood. Oh, no. Um, Sarah manages to calm them down and sort them out a bit, but the next day she doesn't, doesn't take them to school and takes them to the hospital instead. What? The next day? Her kid is coughing up blood and she takes her to the hospital the next day? Immediately, sure, whatever, I don't know. Yeah, that's... Hey, I'm not grief. a dad. No, no, you never should be on that. <laughs> that's just attitude. Oh, I'm sure it'll pass. You're only coughing up blood. <laughs> just for the record, that's usually an emergency room situation. Oh, okay, cool. Not a, oh, let's see if it gets better situation. <laughs> well, anyway. Um, okay. So the doctor gives an examination... 
and uh, comes out and asks to talk to Sarah privately. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she's sitting down, the doctor explains that the child has been diagnosed with cancer. God, this is a bleak sequel. But it okay. gets there. There's a, there. there's a reason for this. Okay, sure. Um, it's They say it's not the worst and it's very treatable. By the way, I've not looked up any of this to see if it's accurate. They estimate <laughs> that uh, with immediate chemotherapy, um, it'll be 98% effective. And, you know, the, the kid will be absolutely fine afterwards. Okay. However, if the yeah. treatment is delayed, the cancer could be fatal. So, you know, okay, it's an sure. it's an act-right-now situation, and it's all going to be fine. Okay, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm no doctor, so I'll just uh, I'll just accept that. Yeah, yeah, please do. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor asks if she has health insurance, and she doesn't. Um, okay. And so the doctor gives a, a number of how much the estimated treatment will cost, and it's a lot. It's way yes. more than she can afford. Mm-hmm. So she goes home with the child, and with a heavy heart, she calls her mum. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, Jodie Foster and Kristen Stewart, like I say, they don't get on anymore. So she goes home with the child, and with a heavy heart, she calls her mum. Mm-hmm. Like I say, they don't get on. So we see from Jodie Foster's side, the phone rings, Sarah's name come up, and she just declines the call. Oh wow! She won't speak to her daughter. Stowed a call, Jodie. Yeah. So she doesn't know what's what's going down. Sure. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everything's going to shit for Sarah. Um, she cries herself to sleep while her child coughs in the other room. It's like, it's a very dark moment. The next day, she goes into work and she asks her boss for an advance so that she can afford the treatment. Sure. Her boss declines because he's a dickhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that afternoon, however, some men in masks come into the store and they rob her at gunpoint. Right. She thinks for, thinks to herself, like, she could try and, you know, sort of protest or anything, but she's like, no. This isn't my money, this is my boss's money, and he's an absolute dickhead. So, sure. Yeah, she just hands over the money without any trouble at all, just like, yeah, take it, please. Mm-hmm. She actually recognises one of the men, no, they're all wearing masks, but she recognises right. one of the men's eyes. Mm-hmm. It's Forrest Whitaker. Oh, oh, he's still robbing it 20 years later. He's, well, first of all, he's out of prison. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Okay, he served his time, let's say 20 years past he got, and he's, he's straight back on the job. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Maybe he was only in prison for five years or ten years. Like you, I, no idea. Okay. He only actually killed one person, and maybe <laughs> just the one. And he was a very bad criminal. Maybe maybe Jodie Foster stuck up for him a little bit. Sure. Okay. And fine. just said, "Oh yeah. no, uh, my husband, who by the way has conveniently died, he killed him." For all we know. Sure. Okay. Well, if all you need is for him to be out of prison and back in on a life of crime, that's yeah. fine. It has been twenty years. Okay. Yeah. So. Like I say, she hands over the cash, no trouble at all. And uh, as she does, she says, uh, there you go, Burnham. Because that was his name from the first one. Sure. Yeah, her boss comes in from the back office and blames her for it. Just like, oh my God, you should have stuck up for it. Just like, you know, not giving him the cash or anything. Gives her a right bollocking. Mm-hmm. She says that he's going to take the loss out of her wages. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, fuck this shit. Rips her name badge off, slams it down on a counter, runs after the robbers. How much did they steal? I don't know, just like whatever was in the cash register, a few thousand. A few thousand? I don't know. In a what shop? A few hundred? Yeah, I think a few hundred might be more realistic. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Probably not enough to give a child chemo on, on the on American health insurance. John, I haven't worked in years, let alone worked in a shop. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Yeah, so she chases after them and actually catches up with them um, and shouts to Burnham. And 
He says to the others to go, and he hangs back and talks to Sarah. Like, he recognises her as well now. So what, she just um, chases them down the streets? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Taking some big stretches with this one, but fine. I mean, did you watch the first film? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But I'm just like, <laughs> she very quickly gets fired, and then just fortunately, she or she quits. Fortunately, she can still see them, like, jogging down the street. Just like, hey, wait up. Yeah, maybe. Okay, okay, sure. Or a better way that they get in touch. I don't know. Sure. Well, anyway, um, they meet and they, they have a conversation. She explains her whole situation mm-hmm. and how she needs money now to pay for the treatment now. And sure. that will save her kid's life. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't have any money. Sure. And so she's saying, hey, you're clearly making quick money sure. somehow. Mm-hmm. Can I get in on this? Okay, she wants to join his criminal enterprise. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. And so he says, okay, come to this warehouse, gives her an address, tonight at 11, and ask for Klaus Zavrovnik. Klaus Zavrovnik? Yes. Zavrovnik. Of course. Okay. Come alone, don't bring a phone, don't bring a weapon, you will be searched at the the door. Okay. Is that name from anywhere, or? No, it's just, literally just a jumble of letters. Yeah, it sounds like it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Russian guy. Sure, okay. Maybe like a German-Russian guy. Zavrovnik, sure, okay. Yeah. Okay. He will be played by John Malkovich, so that could be Great, okay, no, that works, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so that evening, she puts the kids down to sleep, quietly leaves. She goes to this warehouse and has instructed, asks for Klaus Zavrovnik, Mm -hmm. and after being cleared by the guy in the door, he's let in. So, Klaus says something like, I hear you're looking for work. Yeah, I, I need money immediately. My child has cancer. I don't care about your problems. I only care about what you can do for me. Ooh, so, Klaus is after what can himself. you do for me? <laughs> Sorry? Klaus of Rovnik is out for himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I repair watches for a living. Uh, I know a lot about clockwork, so if you need an expert safe cracker or something like that, I'm your woman. Ah, okay. Well, we can always use safe crackers, and people with their heads screwed on. If we get in a sticky situation, are you going to betray your team and run away? Or are you someone who can keep calm? And then she, she says, Well, Burnham here can corroborate. I'm very creative when it comes to stressful situations. Me and my mum managed to fight off Jared Leto and cut off a guy's fingers. All the while, I was in a diabetic shock and about to go into a coma. But we still managed to do it. <laughs> sure. I mean, she wasn't that instrumental to all that happening, but okay. She <laughs> yeah, went but, into a coma but, and got punched in the face. Yes, but Klaus doesn't know that. Sure, okay, fine. <laughs> So he says, okay, I'll give you the money that you need now. When the job is ready to do, I'll give you a call. If you change your mind, I'll need the money back plus interest. And if you can't pay it, that wouldn't be very good for you at all. Okay. So, you know, he might come and kneecap her or something if you can't pay it. Sure. Yeah, so he gives her the money. She uh, she goes and gets the treatment for her child. Everything's great. Child's healthy. It's been a few weeks. Oh, so she's just waiting for a call. It's like, at some point, you'll need to do us a favour. Is, kind of, is that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, they, they didn't have something going right away, but, you know, they've got something that they're planning, a break-in or whatever. Okay, and they need and a yeah. safe cracker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that day eventually comes, mm-hmm. and so she get she she comes in, goes back to this warehouse, and they have a bit of a, a team meeting. Um, <laughs> a team meeting? You've seen Baby Driver. That's yeah, how it's, do it. a, it's, a, it's just a very formal term for a gang, a gangland enterprise. But sure, okay. <laughs> Who's doing I mean, the minutes? You know, criminal business is still business. Yeah, that's true. Okay. 
yeah, and uh, you know they, they they talk about the whole thing that they're going to do, and they're basically just going to break into this person's house, crack open their safe, mm-hmm. and steal everything that's in it. Sure. They found this person that they know to be quite rich, and you know they've they've managed to find blueprints of their house at City Hall or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's all great. So they're Until... breaking into another mansion, essentially. Sorry. They're breaking yes. into a mansion. Okay. Yes. Until they say what the address is. Oh, I see. Sarah recognises the address as her mother's address. Oh, she's still living there? Or is it the well, new place? D- different house. Oh, it's, oh, okay. It's not the same as the, the one with the panic room. It's, it's the new address of her mother. Okay. Ah, a new okay. house with a new panic room and a new safe. Okay. And so now Kristen Stewart has to steal from Jodie Foster. Ah. Oh, what a turn of events. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much where I've got. Okay, where, where, where I've got. To. No, that's a, that's a good premise. So she's got to. But you can you can see what's going to happen from there. It's basically going to be the same film again, but Chris and Stewart's breaking into the panic room. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you think Forrest Whitaker's role in this is to kind of try and mediate? And he's is he because he's like the the conscience of the film. Is he going to mm. maybe in the end bring them back together, like reconcile Jodie Foster and Kristen Stewart, and maybe they can double cross the criminals? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. Okay, maybe. So she's part of a group that are, are breaking into this house, right? And she, mm. the mum's got something valuable that they need, like money or whatever. But she doesn't want to. She's like, okay, I'll do it because my mother abandoned me when my kid was dying. So you know, screw mm. her. So you know, she's got motivation to not care that her mum's about to get robbed. But she maybe doesn't want her to get killed. You know, she's still a mum. Mm. And yeah, maybe also she doesn't want to be seen. She doesn't want it to be known that she's been part of this. So. Maybe that adds a lot of tension. Like, she absolutely cannot be seen on camera. She cannot be exposed as being part of this. And then, obviously, at some point, Jodie Foster's going to see her, and it's going to be, like, ultimate betrayal. I think that um, maybe what it could be, it could be, like... So she has mask on for the whole robbery. Mm-hmm. They get in, they try many things, but... She's Jodie Raoul. Just... Basically, yeah. Maybe she goes by Jodie... the code name Raoul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Jodie Foster just won't come out of the panic room. Sure. Nothing will get her out. Mm-hmm. Like, they try everything. I mean, the panel room is airtight as well, so they can't gas it. The phone line works and everything. It's all completely set up. So the only way that they... Well, they can't think of anything to get her out. Mm-hmm. And then Kristen Stewart's like, I might be able to get her out. Uh, I Put see. me in front of a camera. Ah, okay, that's good. Takes her mask off and says, Mum, it's me. Mm. This is the situation. Yeah. You're going to leave or else your daughter and your grandchildren are going to get bumped off. Nah, okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I like that. That's a, that's a like good that, yeah. that's a good tense situation. So then obviously Jodie Foster's gonna gonna come out reluctantly, but yeah, somehow I think they need to team up and double cross the criminals. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm I'm not really sure how to finish it to be honest, but uh that's the idea at least. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, yeah, Jodie Foster's very capable, I think. She'll she'll find a way. She'll have some she'll have a good oh maybe there's been some upgrades. Yeah, okay. Maybe there's been some upgrades to the panic room. It's 20 years okay. later, technology's moved on. Yeah. So maybe she, maybe the, the, there's some upgrades that she knows about, but that the criminals haven't banked on. So what do you think could have been done to the panic room that she could do, use to turn it against them now? Okay. Like, well, like, what? like a surprise, I'm thinking of like a surprise reveal. Like surprise, you thought it was a panic room, but it's also got machine guns or, but not, I don't know. I don't know how that would work, <laughs> but. Yeah, just guns point out the wall. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I know. I know. Okay. The door's electri- electrified. Maybe. No, I was thinking it's got a new feature where you can... Because they can... Can they see her at any point? 
No, they couldn't. In the first one, they couldn't see Jodie Foster. No. Okay, so maybe it's got a secret exit point. So they think she's still in the room, and she's um. she's using a remote intercom to make it sound like she's still in the room, but actually she's she's been out for a while, and so she she manages to surprise them. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Mm-hmm. But maybe Kristen Stewart does know about this, but she doesn't tell the other criminals, and she so she kind of helps her mom to get the upper hand. Uh, yeah, interesting. Mm. Maybe, yeah, she does a little deal, just like, hey, I'll, I can get you out of the situation, but pay me. Well, maybe she's, maybe Jodie Foster's like, I'm doing this for my grandson, not you. Yeah, sure. That, yeah. that, that makes sense. If they've had this terrible estrangement and maybe Kristen Stewart's been this massive fuck up for years and it's just, she's lot, she's all out of patience. Um, but yeah, she, she obviously didn't know when she hung up the phone that it was about her grandson, so. Maybe she didn't even know she had a grandson. Maybe that's how strange they were. <laughs> so that's a whole reveal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I yeah, that works. Good. I like it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think Forrest Whitaker should somehow still be a good guy. Like he should, he should still be have even if he just has a moment of heroism at the end, like the original. Or maybe he ends up getting arrested again. At the end, all the other criminals get killed, and he still ends up being the one who gets arrested and sent to jail again. He's like, for God's sake, <laughs> every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. These white ladies, every time. <laughs> But yeah, that is uh, Panic Room 2, I don't know, The Great Switcheroo or something. The Panic Room 2, The Great Switcheroo. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, it sounds very like light-hearted based on a plot that involves dying children and estranged families. And... <laughs> I'm trying to think what else could you call it. Um, Panic Room 2.0, like because the Panic Room itself has been upgraded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Panic Room 2.0 or, or, or Switcheroo, whatever. They work. <laughs> In a way. Panic Room 2, the great switcheroo. The great switcheroo. I, I can see it now. It. I can see the billboards. <laughs> <laughs> that that would have, like, Jodie Foster and, and Kristen Stewart on a poster like this, like... <laughs> yeah, it would, like the Home Alone face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, it would be so stupid. But let's, just get, let's just go all in on that. Right. Yeah. Cool, no, very good. I think that's actually very plausible um, as, a sequ- as sequels go. And I, yeah. I like the abrupt because at first when you were talking about like oh the kid has cancer it got very character based I was like oh they're estranged the kid has cancer I was like is this going to come around to a panic room at any point or is this just a, a family drama because it's not like the characters are that mm. interesting but no you, you pulled it around and it became a panic room film so yeah 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 I mean my idea was largely set up but yeah that's fine yeah these kind of films yeah once you get past the setup it's you know you're just letting it play out so yeah. Okay, I like it. I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, what have you got for me then? I have, this week, I have, uh, once again, as I often do, uh, I have gone for, rather than one big idea, because I find, yeah, same, I found it hard to come up with like a long narrative because the film's essentially quite simple. So mm-hmm. I've got for three short premises instead. Okay. So three premises, then we can just uh, talk through them a little bit and see what we come up with. So the first one is, I'm thinking, the golden rule of sequels, for, especially for action films, is... Same thing, but bigger, louder, bigger. more. Yeah. So, yeah. last time was a panic room. Now, is it a panic house? <laughs> like the, I'm thinking of like an entire house that just kind of like steel doors and just just like surround it, and it just goes into complete lockdown. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Or it could be panic boat. Panic boat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or panic plane. See now, uh, I'm not sure about panic house. Not really sure if that works. No, I don't really think room is like. Someone's in the building. Oh, God damn it. Where am I going to hide? My panic room. Yeah. But 
a panic boat or a panic plane. Now, those ones, what I'm thinking, is a like a smaller boat comes out of the boat. <laughs> There's or a little a boat hidden in the boat. comes yeah. out of the plane. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like a little one-man little little flyer comes out of a giant Boeing 747. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. I was thinking it'd be more like... That's interesting. I was thinking it could, it could be a little bit more like... Maybe on a on a on like a very important plane, like a VIP plane for a celebrity, a private jet, or even like Air Force One or something. They install a panic room in the plane. Mm. So it's the same film, but it's like the the panic room is on a plane. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. So mm, I'm just trying to think. What if the plane gets damaged and is gonna crash? What's gonna happen to the panic room? And there is the question. Okay, I, I think that panic room within a plane is great, but it needs an ejector system. It does need to double as an escape pod, yes. Yes. But maybe, yeah, so, okay, maybe it is like a celebrity pop star or politician or a film star, whatever, who has a private jet that comes with its own panic room slash escape pod. Mm-hmm. Panic pod, let's call it. Um, <laughs> and maybe some criminals, like Air Force One style, managed to you know get onto the plane, and maybe they kidnap this person's wife and kids or, you know, someone that they care about. And so they're in the panic room, on the panic pod, but they, the, ejecting is the last resort because, you know, their loved ones are on the other side. Mm. So then they just need to figure out a way. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's all that is really. But I think that that one would then have to finish with they somehow trick the criminals to going into the panic room. And then they eject it. <laughs> yeah. Into a, And it then explodes into a fiery blast or lands in the sea or something. It lands in the top of a volcano. Perfect, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? It just happens to be flying over one. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I am def- I was definitely thinking of that as like a sequel, like Speed 2 Cruise Control, you know. Take a mm. good, smart premise for an original film and just make it stupid as all hell and stick it on another vehicle. Yeah. So that, yeah. that was that, basically. Uh, my second one's probably the most serious. It's quite similar to yours in some ways, uh, but it's a different twist. So in this one, I'm thinking, Forrest, like yours, Forrest Whitaker, end of the original movie, in jail. So this movie could picks up 20 years later, and he, he, he's, he's out. He's served his time, and he wants to go back on the straight and narrow. He's not going to become a criminal again. He's just, you know... But he's, he's kind of not got a lot of options, because he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's been behind bars for 20 years. He hasn't got a lot of connections anymore. So he's, his prospects are pretty low. Uh, but soon after he gets out, maybe he gets takes a job as like a janitor or something really like just just quite mundane, just to you know low profile, just to kind of try and make it make an honest living. So he's doing that. He's just trying to keep his head down, and then he gets contacted by Jodie Foster, who asks him for help, and uh, she's tr- she's kind of tracked him down. Maybe she heard he'd been let out of jail, uh, and she asks for his help because Kristen Stewart was so traumatized by the events of the original film that she's now grown up and become a, f- a paranoid shut-in who lives full time in her own panic room. All right. So okay. she's so damaged by what happened to the original film. So then she asks Forrest Whitaker to, to, to try and help her to get her daughter out of the panic room. So rather rather than trying to get in, they're trying to get someone to come out. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's like trying to. Use, she wants him to like break in because he won't. She won't let anyone in anymore. And then Jodie Foster's trying to just I don't know get her to a facility for for help or whatever. But then maybe it turns into a bit of a negotiation as well. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It's kind I of all like out there. That. Yeah. That's kind of. That's the kind of the more like, like that could be a thing, that could be a real movie kind of thing, but I don't know really where to go with it. But my third idea, mm-hmm. and I think this is my favourite, uh, is inspired by. So last week when I descri- when I told you what film we were doing, you got a little bit mixed up and you thought it was going to be like The Room. Uh, yeah. You said, "Is this as bad as The Room?" You said, "Am I going to need to drink through this because it's uh, oh, it yeah, sounds yeah. like The Room?" 
And I was like, no, it does. It's not the room. It's a proper film with real actors and real directors. But what if it was? What if it was the Panic Room, as made by the casting creators of the Room, Johnny Wiseau and <laughs> Greg Sestero and that crew? Mm-hmm, sure. So I'm sure. thinking the pat. This is a direct sequel to the film The Room. Okay. So I'm thinking what happened is Johnny has you know, Johnny the Tommy Wiseau character from The Room. For those who've not seen The Room, uh, it's a classic. Uh, Tommy Wiseau, a great actor, a great thespian. He is... um, In the the movie, there's not much plot to the room, but essentially he is betrayed by everyone he ever loves, including his beloved girlfriend, Lisa, and his best friend. quick little spoiler alert right here. Sorry, spoilers for the room. Yeah, it's very... The plot is very important. Um, Yeah, so he's... in In the film, the room, he's betrayed by his girlfriend, Lisa, and his best friend, Mark, and he ends up shooting himself at the end, and they're all very sad, and that's the end of the room. So in this film, Johnny has recovered from his suicide attempt... Of being shot through the mouth, he just got right, better. Yeah. He, you know, it's it's the, it's the kind of logic this film would expect. He, he just got better. Yeah, uh, and he slowly moved on to kind of pick up the pieces of his shattered life. So he's Tommy Wiseau once again is the hero of this movie. I'm thinking. So he's moved into his new apartment, and he's obviously fantastically wealthy. And it comes with a panic room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? but on the first night, three criminals break into his 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 room, his house, mm. and try to get into his panic room. And they are, of course, Lisa, Mark, and Denny. <laughs> so yeah Very I'm thinking that they're, they're now because in the first Denny is his strangely underage um, like friend who likes to watch him and Lisa have sex if you remember mm-hmm. who is in mysterious debt to some drug dealers in the original film yeah do you remember all these details uh, briefly it's been like two years yeah 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 um, but I'm thinking no, I, 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 I do remember it actually yeah okay well, I was just thinking that maybe, um, yeah, maybe maybe they, maybe they need money for this drug dealer now, so they're just trying to steal it from Tommy. Yeah. Basically, my idea for this is that I really like the idea that Tommy Wiseau is in the panic room, and those three are trying to get, negotiate with him from outside the panic room. <laughs> oh, God, a phone call with Tommy Wiseau would be madness. Yeah. Him over the intercom, you know. Mm. You are tearing me apart, Lisa. Again! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's all I've got there. But I just like I like the idea of that negotiation, like of them trying to they've got to try and negotiate Tommy Wiseau out of the panic room, and he obviously is going to outsmart them in the end because he is the greatest genius of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're gonna have, we're gonna have cameos. Obviously, we're got, gonna have Claudette in there. You know, the, the mum who is still still battling her breast cancer. You know, <laughs> <laughs> still fighting, still fighting all these years on. Yeah, great. Yeah, all, all the other characters. The, the character who um, switches actor like twice in the film they can come back and switch actors <laughs> twice again yeah there's got to be some the football the, uh, the blowjob face blowjob face guy he's got to come back yeah mm-hmm. um, lots of random uh, blokes in tuxedos playing football you know just <laughs> it's all there it's all there but also through the medium of panic room yeah yeah so that, that's the the panic room great I like it yeah <laughs> yeah very good so yeah that's what I came up with all right, well, so do listen listeners' submissions then. Go for it, yeah. Got to find it. it. Was a while ago I put it. Um, there's not sixty-eight this week, are there? Mm, no, there's a fair few, but not sixty-eight. Good. Um, Two hundred and thirty. No, I'm joking. Oh, Harry, my heart. <laughs> you just took years off me. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh, listeners, if you could see John's face. Holy shit. I have to edit all those. When you read out like thirty or forty listener submissions, I have to I have to like painstakingly edit them. So, 
Okay. <clears throat> Jess Ramirez Medina says, Panic Room 2. Jodie Foster is locked out of her house while her daughter, who came to visit, fell asleep. And she sees the bandits are trying to break in. So it's a race to see who gets into the house first. Yeah, so Jodie Foster locked out of the house. Yeah, I missed that bit. Okay, so that's it. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so she's it's the, the, she's so trying Jody to break Foster into her own house. Out the house. Okay. The criminals are trying to get in. The daughter has fallen asleep. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, Matthew Penhall says, Anxiety loft. Anxiety loft, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Is that like a nightmare room situation? I guess, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Colin Spenrath says, Muppets panic room. Yes. Full yes. The Take great Muppet escaper. Yeah, I would love that. Yes. It's exactly Remix the same, but with Muppets. Yeah. Jodie Foster plays herself, while Gonzo narrates the whole thing while he's locked out of his apartment. 100% yes. Absolutely. Yeah. On board. Although, I would want Jodie Foster to be replaced by Miss Piggy, obviously. Yeah. If you're going to go Muppet, sense. go for Muppet. Yeah. yeah. Um, Andrew B. Byro says, chill tent. Chill tent, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Everything's okay room. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, it's from Mike Caddick. Just a room that makes everyone feel like everything's fine. A few, yeah. few like scented candles, a bit of nice new age music in the background. Uh, Bruce Smith says isolation house. Mm-hmm. They've been told to stay at home, but keep trying to come up with more creative reasons to be out and about. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, Rob Robinson says panic room two, more panic. In typical horror movie fashion, it has the exact same plot as the, as the first, but there are two panic rooms twice as many burglars oh and Jodie Foster shaves her head <laughs> it's an odd detail at the end but sure yeah. I like the idea of two panic rooms like next opposite each other they seem to keep running in between them right? yeah, yeah. Um, and finally Jack Evans says the plot is exactly the same except Jared Leto is trying to get them to join his cult uh, lots of like Jared Leto cult ideas down there yeah I guess Just, that, that's the thing he's doing now or? maybe yeah I don't know he's, he's not a Scientologist is he? he's so the type he would be there allegedly yeah I wouldn't but, be surprised yeah. even slightly yeah okay some good ideas there I have some as well mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Jason Harris said panic pants a woman is forced to put on real clothes after 35 days in quarantine <laughs> <laughs> yep I, so like, that, it. I that's, like it that's that's all of us in a few months time Alex Garcia said panda room What's black and white and right behind you? <laughs> this is my favourite, I think. Adam Commissara said, Panic Roomba. You hide behind a defensive vacuum cleaner robot who defends you from home invaders. Yeah, yeah. Very you know good. the Roomba, the little things that go Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hoover, yeah. Dan LeBrecht said, Panic Tomb. Mm. So that, that is a panicky situation. You get buried alive. Or it could be like it's set in the olden days. Mm-hmm. Like, it's set in, like, ancient Egypt or something. Oh, I see. So it's like a pyramid. Yeah, like, oh, God, all shit's going down. Quick, I better jump into my panic tomb. Into my pre-built tomb. Yeah, okay, that works. <laughs> it's got everything I need. Mm-hmm. Uh, Haley Kasparik said Parasite. Not entirely yeah. dissimilar movies, obviously, yeah. Jade Good- sorry, Wade Goodenberger, I don't know if that's his real name, said uh, a prequel called Panic Womb, in which Kristen Stewart is terrified of being born. <laughs> Uh, Jack McCarter, there's a lot of puns here. Jack McCarter said, Panic Loom. Jodie Foster and her child are attacked by vicious intruders, and the only way to escape is to weave a rug. <laughs> Panic Loom, a loom, you know. Nice, nice, yeah. And finally, so over on Twitter, Cinema Adventure Pod at Cinema Adventure Pod said, 
It's about a man who's putting himself inside a bunker and is convinced that the world is going to end. He's super smug about it, and then COVID hits, and we realise that people like this aren't afraid. They enjoy this, these situations. Eventually, mm-hmm. his family leaves, and he stays there alone forever. Oh, so I think that's just about like smug survivalists, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And finally, Blokebusters at Blokebusters says Panic Rooms, a documentary about a hotel in the heart of New York trying to stay open during the start of the COVID nineteen outbreak. <laughs> so, I guess it's yeah, a documentary about hotels. Sure. Yeah, I guess. Very good. Okay. So thank you everybody for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which we would also appreciate a nice little five-star review if you have the time. It really helps us out. As mentioned, we're also available on Patreon, which is exclusively for the people who would rate us five stars or more if they could. You can find all those links in the description below or our brand spanking new website, beyondtheboxset.com. And next week, Harry, it's a you choice. Yes, it is. So, um, to go in keeping with this trapped in a room uh, theme that we're sure. doing, mm-hmm. I guess. To be honest, this is the film that I thought you were going to pick this week. Okay. Because I think we had a conversation about about what we were going to pick, and we didn't actually say uh, what we were going to pick, but I think you said something like, I think we're both thinking the same thing. Yeah, I thought Panic Room. I thought it was really obvious, but I didn't realise you hadn't even heard no. of it. So. I've got a way more obvious one for you, John. Okay, hit me. Room. Oh, of course. Oh, okay. Great, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, join us next week for Room. That's going to be... Uh, Interesting, yeah. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah, a real feel-good comedy classic there you picked, Harry, but sure, let's see how yeah. it goes. Oh, we can make it interesting. Well, we'll it's a challenge, definitely. We yeah, need to push I, I'm ourselves. I always meant to go back to this film. I remember enjoying it quite a lot. It was a very good film, yeah, as, as far as I remember. So, yeah. Cool, okay. Oscar great. winning film. It is, indeed. Uh, cool. Well, I look forward to it. So, listeners, join us next week for Room. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. See Thanks you next time. Bye. Bye. Put him on the phone, bitch.